This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Napa know-how. Keeping it simple is usually a good thing. And when it comes to rewards programs, keeping it simple is always a good thing. That's why we made the Napa Rewards program effortless. All you need is your phone number to start saving on the parts and tools you need. Then we automatically give you $5 off your next purchase for every 100 you spend. So start saving today with Napa Rewards. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Log Talk Radio. And good evening and welcome to another edition of Spitinsider Radio. That is hashtag Spitinsider Radio. I am your host, Matthew Kanata, and I am joined each and every week by Houts and Sutton. And, you know, if they, if they uh, you know, didn't have such short names, I'd come up with a better nickname for them. But there's really not much <laughs> we can talk about. I think the only thing we can do for Sutton is call him the soccer dad. Because, ladies and gentlemen... We may have talked about this before, but he is the proud owner of a minivan. So, big congratulations yep. to you, Sutton, on your newest purchase and your newest lifestyle change. Uh, how does it feel to be a soccer dad? Oh, man, this Honda Odyssey is a freaking tent mobile chick magnet. I'm going to have to fight them off. I can only but, imagine. Uh, it's, it's <laughs> what color, what color is it? If if you, if you, it's dark gray, um, dark gray. All right, tinted tinted ago, windows. I'd be a minivan owner with four children. You got tinted windows. I would Ryan? say, pass me the drugs. Fine. <laughs> yeah. Do you have tinted windows on your van? Do I have tinted windows? Yeah. Windows, no, I don't think know. so. No. 
you and your but family. It does have one here. of those. It has one of those rear view mirror camera yeah. things. So okay, so short backstory: the car I've been driving for the last eight years had the CD player stolen out of it when I was living in Columbus, and they stole so many parts that I couldn't even like buy a new one and put it in because there's nothing to put it into. So I've been driving around this piece of crap for the last eight years. So the fact that anything works at all in this minivan is kind of a godsend in itself. So I'm just glad that I can listen to music in there now. Sign, I am really, really happy for you. Yeah. You know, I'd love to do a whole podcast dedicated to your newest purchase. <laughs> Moving um, on up. But we need to continue on and just talk about how much of a god Aaron Rodgers is. I mean, that that weekend, I mean, that on Sunday was absolutely magnificent. And I'm not a Cowboys fan. I have tons of friends who are Cowboys fans. My cousin is a diehard Cowboys fan. People at work, Cowboys fans. I don't know many Packers fans. I know a few. But I had no rooting interest in that game. And, man, I was nervous just watching it. I mean, I was, I was literally standing up, bending down in front of my TV, hands on my knees, just watching. Guys, don't get any wrong ideas when I say hands on my knees. But I was just watching the game. <laughs> Just, Jeez. you know, that the field goal, the field goal, then, then Rodgers just completing that pass, then the field goal, but the ice, you know, they ice Mason Crosby, then he makes it again where it looks like he's going to miss it. That was just an entirely insane game. And then we didn't have time to breathe, and then you get another great game with the Steelers and the Chiefs, not, not as much as a offensive powerhouse juggernaut game like the Cowboys-Packers game, but it was still a great game, close game physical game that, that really lived up to his expectations. And wow, what a great Sunday it was for football. Did you guys watch any of the games? I watched them all, man. I, I like you, I showed you that ticket. I mean, my buddy and I, we decided to put some money on uh, the Packers, the Falcons and yeah. the Steelers. And we ended up hitting on that parlay. And then he wanted to put our fantasy winnings on the Packers. So we put 200 down on them. And I mean, we hit, but I mean, all that betting aside, those were some great games. And I think we all talked about last week that Packers-Cowboys game could have been one of the best games we would see all year, and I think it lived up to the expectation. Yeah, and I want to go back and watch it just because, of, as a football fan, uh, how great that game was. Yeah, and that throw to Jared Cook on the sideline. I mean, a lot is made um, of the the toe tap that he did and certainly a – tremendous catch by Jared Cook, but oh my God, what a, just a gangster throw by Aaron Rodgers. He just oh, does. Just no, no one no one in the NFL can throw like he does. So no. it's just, uh, it's kind of nice to just step back and watch another player like that. Just, it's like a, it's an art form. And then with that Steelers-Chiefs game, you know, a long, hard-fought game, and then you have this Antonio Brown chatter after the game with the Facebook Live Ridiculous. thing that he did of Mike Tomlin, which he responded to that today, so I thought that was another stupid. interesting twist, another interesting twist to the weekend. Yeah, yeah I mean, Antonio Brown just filming that on Facebook Live, and it, it was like we were texting this morning in that Twitter group chat, uh, it was just him staring into the phone for 17 minutes, talking about how great he is and how much he loves God, and I don't understand the point of that video. I didn't really get it. Uh, it was just a bunch of, I don't know. I have no I words it, for it. 
I think if he was in high school or, or even college, that might be something that you'd expect. But, I mean, for one of the NFLs, I mean, in my opinion, he might be the best receiver in the NFL. And, I mean, after a huge win like that, I mean, your head coach is sitting there spilling his heart, telling you to get ready yeah. for that next game, and he's just sitting there taking selfies. I mean, it was it was pretty ridiculous. Yeah. So, going going back to that, backing up off Antonio Brown for a second, I just wanted to touch on the Texans-Patriots game. I made the awful mistake of meeting up with my cousins, uh, my cousin and my adopted cousin, who is basically part of our family. Really great guy, Mark. I don't know if you're listening, Mark, but if you are, you're a great guy. Um, but <laughs> it's true. We we met up. We live on different sides of the state, so we met up in the middle. Uh, we went to Buffalo Wild Wings on Saturday night, and great time hanging out with them. We we ordered a crap load of wings, uh, fries, lots of beers. Great time, but I got to tell you, the entire place, with the exception of us and, like, five other people, were all Patriots fans, and just hearing them all cheer and scream every time the Patriots did something great, every time the Texans did something bad was just nauseating, so I pounded down two tall beers within 10 minutes, and then got double IPAs, and it just went down from there for me. Uh, if anyone knows me, two beers and I am done. And game that is about it. Yes, yeah, game sir. For me. That's game <laughs> over. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, I had to do what I had to do on Saturday night. But that game, man, you know, the Texans were in it for a little bit. But we were all just – we all knew that Brock Osweiler cannot get it done. That dude is just terrible. Good for him for stealing so much money from the Texans organization. And good for him because if he's smart with it, he'll be set for life for being one of – uh, the biggest free agency bust, if not the biggest free agency bust in NFL history. And he made himself some money just by being tall and being Peyton Manning's backup. And the Patriots have the Steelers, and, and hopefully the Steelers kick you there, you know what. And then, of course, on the NFC side of things, the Falcons beat the Seahawks pretty handily. And that Falcons-Packers game is going to be one hell of a game and especially as the first game on Sunday, it's going to be a great way to start our Sundays with a championship game. Do you guys have any thoughts on those two games before we move on? I just can't wait to watch them. I mean, like you said, the Falcons, the way they're playing offensively is unbelievable. And, and Aaron Rodgers, he might he's playing out of his mind. I, I haven't seen a quarterback play that way in, in years, if not decades. And, I mean, and then again on the AFC side, we got uh, Pittsburgh and – and New England, and it would, I'd love to see uh, Pittsburgh upset New England. I mean, then we got we can say that the the AFC team beat the Dolphins, and that's the reason we're out of the playoffs. We can pretend that's the actual reason. But I mean, uh, touching on the Falcons, uh, I don't know if you guys heard, but Kyle Shanahan he's supposed to be uh, taking that San Francisco head coaching job. That seems yeah. to be rumblings around the league. Yeah. I mean, the the game he called against Seattle, I, I said to a buddy, I'm like, it looked like uh, the Falcons just Seattle, Seattle. I mean, they were just running the ball and just offensively just moving the ball at will and then uh it didn't seem like Seattle had any uh any any plan to to counter that Atlanta defense so I mean what Dan Quinn did I mean it was unbelievable and I'm, I'll be rooting for the Falcons but I, I like the Packers this week and I would love to see the Steelers knock off New England. Son what do you think? Yeah I'll echo House's sentiments on the AFC side but obviously Love to see the Steelers beat the Patriots' ass in Foxborough and oh, yeah. to make it even that Please. much better 
it's the team that knocked us out of the playoffs. So we could say that the, you know, hopefully the Steelers would go on to win the Super Bowl, and then we could say that the eventual Super Bowl champion beat us. But on the NFC side, man, that game looks awesome. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, have you guys seen like the point spread or anything? I'm curious how how high the over under is on that game. I can imagine it's pretty monstrous. I'll look it up but as it you're talking. Like, yeah, I, I'd imagine it's at least in the mid-50s. And so you'd think that uh, it's going to be a high-scoring game, and it has certainly has that script going into Sunday. Yeah, 50, uh, 59 I just and looked a half. it up. Yeah, 50, what was yep, it? exactly. 59 and a half. 59 and crazy. a half, damn. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, those are, that, those are some that's a really high-scoring total for a, for a playoff game, so – but both offenses are playing at such a high level, it's hard to see either one of them slowing down. So that's why it seems like on paper this game's uh, – hopefully there's not a bunch of stupid turnovers and the game gets lopsided and it turns into this offensive juggernaut that goes back and forth. Listen, Vegas knows. I mean, the Patriots were favored by 17, right? Yes. The Patriots and won by were favored 18. by 17. They won by 18. How does Vegas do that, guys? How do they do that? Uh, They're good at what they do. They're very good at what they do. They have a lot more information. They hire the right people. Yes, if only we could all be that good, especially at fantasy football and everything else. All right, so real quick before we move on, and I I know I said that about seven minutes ago, but I say that for every transition that we're doing here. Sutton, who are your Super Bowl (laughs) picks? Got to go Steelers Packers. It's tough to tough to go against Aaron Rodgers right now and what they're doing down there. So I oh, guess I should say up there. Yeah, I mean, as much as I like to steal, see the Steelers in it, I, I got to go Packers Pats. I mean, it's not ideal. It's not what I want to see, but I just don't know how the Patriots will lose to the Steelers. And I mean, they got a lot of bulletin board material out of that uh, Antonio Brown video. So I'd like to see Packers uh, knock off whichever team wins out of the AFC. To be honest. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to go with Falcons. I'm going to go with Steelers. I think the Packers, I think their run will come to a halt without Jordy Nelson. I think they can only sustain this for so long. You saw what the Cowboys did. They came roaring back in the second half. Uh, If the Cowboys had fed the ball to Zeke more in the first half, I think the Cowboys win this game easily. Aaron Rodgers was a magician, but the Falcons have the offense to keep up with him. And if the Packers don't get ahead early, it's going to be, I think, a win for the Falcons. And I'm just picking the Steelers because I hate the Patriots. And the Steelers were my preseason Super Bowl pick, along with the Cardinals. Obviously, that didn't pan, pan out, but that is what it is on that side. Okay, so moving forward, the Dolphins have been out of the playoffs for a one week, and it seems it's been an eternity. And a lot has happened since then. There's been multiple coaches who have a, gotten head coaching jobs in the NFL. The Chargers have a new coach. The 49ers, like you mentioned, Helts are about to get uh, Kyle Shanahan. The Jaguars have a new coach. The Bills have a new coach, Sean McDermott, who I really like a lot. I, I hate to see him in Buffalo because I would love to root for the guy, but obviously I cannot root for you, Sean. And I know you're listening to this right now, so I apologize <laughs> to you. I, I cannot root for you while you coach the Buffalo Bills. And there was a lot of head coaching openings. And this year we saw a different trend with owners and GMs knowing exactly what they wanted. And, guys, there wasn't this long, drawn-out process this year for whatever reason. And it wasn't – the retreats either. It wasn't, or the retreads, whatever you call it, with the exception of Doug Marone in Jacksonville. 
it was more of uh, let's get these young guys, let's get guys we know, let's get guys we've had our eyes on. And one person that fits that bill exactly to a T is Vance Joseph. This is a guy who went from a defensive backs coach in Cincinnati to defensive coordinator in Miami for one year to head coach in Denver. Now, the backstory to this, interestingly enough, is when Gary Kubiak interviewed for the Denver job two years ago, Vance Joseph was a very close second. Had Kubiak not agreed to coach the Broncos, Vance Joseph would be the head coach of the Broncos right now, assuming he did well there. So when this job unexpectedly opened, when Kubiak decided to step down, Vance Joseph became the front runner and leading candidate to take that job. Many people thought he would be two years and done in Miami, including myself. One person I spoke to several months ago thought that Vance would be gone this offseason, and he proved to be right, as he is with many things that he provides me with. And the Dolphins have promoted Matt Burke. Before we get into Matt Burke, though, I do want to touch on this thing with Vance Joseph. Uh, Deadspin ran with it a little earlier today in regards to when Vance Joseph was a assistant coach at the University of Colorado. And we're not going to get into the details because they're not suitable for work. And we know that there are people at work who listen to this podcast. So if you want to check it out, just Google Deadspin and Vance Joseph and you will come right to it. But he was accused of, of some things at the University of Colorado. And that led to him leaving the school. And in the police report, there's some pretty damning evidence of Vance Joseph doing some pretty lewd things to two females. And the females did not press any charges against Vance Joseph, but the details are in the report and you can read it for yourself. We're not going to discuss them in detail on the air here, but you know, this, this is a PR nightmare uh, for the Denver Broncos and Vance Joseph. And they could have, these girls could have, uh, nabbed Vance for a lot if they had pressed charges against him. Patrick Smith, very good PR man for the Denver Broncos, vice president of public relations. He said to Deadspin or the Daily Camera, which is a, another media outlet in Denver, said, while we were aware of these accusations, he was not charged with anything from the report filed in 2004. And it's worth noting that Patrick Smith made it a point to uh, Note that it was from 2004. So, you know, we saw a local media outlet pick it up and run with it the other day. That's been picks it up today. How much longer is this going to grow? How much longer is this going to blow up? What does this mean for the Denver Broncos? I don't think it means that Vance Joseph will get fired from there. Because I don't think it's going to be that much of a deal for them. But I think it is a certainly a public relations nightmare for them. Guys, what do you think? Yeah, we're we're in a culture right now that's trying to do a better job of protecting women. So I think um, for Vance Joseph's sake, this comes at a very poor time considering uh, the way popular society is thinking about things right now. It is kind of unfortunate it took this long for this type of information to get out there. You would have liked to, you know, this happens you know, 13 years ago, so it's kind of shocking that something can be hidden for this long. You wonder, you wonder what else is going on. Um, but hopefully, there's a peaceful resolution to this, uh, especially to the women that were involved. Sorry, let me yeah, talk about Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is the women. I mean, it's it's huge news to drop after uh, Joseph uh, just got a head coaching job, but you wonder where this has been uh, over the last few years. So, I mean. For me, I'd like to hope that there's a 
there's a successful resolution out of it and that, uh, you know, Vance Joseph, we, we've only known him for a year. I mean, he had a successful career as an NFL head coach. But, I mean, things like this, there's really no explanation for it. And, I mean, you'd like to see how him and the Broncos organization handle this. And you just hope that, again, uh, it really all comes down to the women. And you just hope that uh, they're okay. Everything works out for all involved. All right. All right. So, and yeah, if not, and if not, I'll take them for a ride in my minivan, and everything will be better <laughs> after that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't want to spend too much time on this. I just wanted you guys to be aware of what's going on out there in case you see it. Uh, but it's just unfortunate for for everybody involved, the females, Vance shows to the Denver Broncos, and the entire situation is just a sad situation. But with Vance Joseph leaving, the Dolphins had to make a move, and they promoted linebacker coach Matt Burke to the position of defensive coordinator. In Matt Burke's press conference that he was introduced, um, listen, guys, Matt Burke was a second defensive coordinator for the, uh, Adam Gase and the Dolphins. And I had reported this on Twitter before Adam Gase came out and said it in his press conference. And Matt Burke has a lot to do with the game plan, had a lot to do with the game plan when Vance was here. And, of course, now he runs the show. He is the brains behind the operation and he is going to do one hell of a job as defensive coordinator to be able to continue that system that has been installed in Miami. Of course, he wants to install an attacking defense, as does every single defensive coordinator that is ever hired. Uh, no one ever says we want to be a passive defense where we react to everything. So we'll see how that plays out. But Matt Burke is modeled after Jim Schwartz, and we will see a lot of one-gap defense. And we talked about this on the show last week where every uh, defensive player at the line of scrimmage and the linebackers have one gap to fill, and that is it. So there's really no thinking going on. You just you get your gap assignment, and you fill that gap. And you got to be disciplined, and I think we'll see an improvement in the run game here in Miami in terms of you know filling those gaps the right way. Previously, it was a two-gap defense at some points, and there was a lot of thinking going on there. Jim Schwartz, who Matt Burke said is a huge role model for him, guess who had their best seasons under Jim Schwartz? none other than Dominican Sue. So we expect him to have another great year as he did this year, even though there are some people out there who think he didn't have a great year. In terms of what that means for the defense and, and free agency, it's going to mean a lot. But before we get to the free agency part, because I do have some inside information to drop for you guys. Um, Sutton, Matt Burke, every, everyone's saying our linebackers were bad this year. But maybe can you tell us why we shouldn't look at stats and look at how a certain unit has performed when you're talking about the role of defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator head coach for that matter. Well, I think it's one of those stats first narrative sort of conversations here. Uh, when Mike McCarthy was hired with the Green Bay Packers, I mean, the San Francisco offense that he led was like 30th in every meaningful category. So um, they're, there certainly is more to the story than just numbers. And I mean, you, you just have to look what, with what he had to work with last year. I mean, you got Kiko Alonso and there's already chatter of him being moved to weak side linebacker. So you got to yeah. think you're already playing one linebacker out of position. And then you have Coamisi go down. You signed Donald Butler mid-season. You have Neville Hewitt fill in for Jelani Jenkins, who seems to be constantly hurt. You have to start Spencer Pacinger a couple of games. You have to start Mike Hall one game. You get the drift here. We had a lot of injuries there and just subpar play 
Um, but I think that was more of a talent level than it is the schematics that were drawn up for these players. There just wasn't enough uh, quality talent there to make plays. Um, I mean, we saw Kiko Alonso make a few plays, but the linebackers, for the most part, um, pretty rare in the turnover category. So what what you look for is Matt Burke um, just taking his overall approach and applying it to the defense um, and, and crossing his fingers that the that the Dolphins are going to invest in free agency in the draft and defense like we all hope that they will. Uh, how it's, you have you have read a bunch about Matt Burke and his impact in Miami over the past few years. Your general thoughts about him being ascended as the defensive coordinator position. Think he can succeed filling in for Vance Joseph now? Yeah, I mean, we can all agree that the linebacking core is one of the, the defense's weaknesses this season. I mean, Kiko Alonso improved and we had some other players step up. But as far as whether or not he can take over in Vance Joseph's void, I think he can. I, I believe I read an article that said he's going to try to attack more defensively. And I think, like we've all said, this entire offseason should be spent fixing that defense. And I think with the right pieces in place, uh, the Dolphins have some pieces to build with, and I think Matt Burke will be a successful defensive coordinator. I'd also like to say something. Uh, I can grow a beard, but that guy has one hell of a beard. <laughs> yes, I saw him in a picture <laughs> next to a lion. I mean, uh, that's a guy that looks like he can lead men. And, I mean, as of now, that's my, that's my defense coordinator. So, uh, and Matt Burke, we trust. <laughs> yes. And we'll see, obviously, once the game starts going and, and Matt Burke is in that hot seat how he can continue. But like I said, guys, and like Adam Gates confirmed what I said, not to toot my own horn, but I am tooting my own horn and to confirm my inside knowledge that I do get from sources within the Dolphins organization, Matt Burke was right there with the game planning and everything else. So when you talk about someone jumping in right in for Vance Joseph, there is no one better out there to do that than Matt Burke. He is a close confidant of Adam Gaze and someone that Adam Gaze trusted a lot in, and he is going to get the job done, in my opinion. So you mentioned Sutton, Kiko Alonso playing out of position. The Dolphins do want to fix that this offseason. But interesting enough, one of their targets in free agency is Melvin Ingram. Melvin Ingram wants to play for the Dolphins. He is friends with Jarvis Landry, and the Dolphins want him to play in Miami. few problems here. Melvin Ingram is a 3-4 linebacker on the edge. So more than likely, he would come to Miami and be a defensive end. Uh, he's going to be expensive, number two. And number three, you still got Kiko in the middle there if you don't address the linebacker position there. So we're going to see how that goes. Melvin Ingram will be one of the hottest free agents on the market this year. Some are saying he can get Olivia Vernon-type money, maybe more which is pretty crazy. He's 28 years old, played 960 snaps last season. Of course, the Chargers franchise him, so we'll see if that shakes out there. Another person who I know House is pretty high on is Dante Hightower from New England, 27 years old, 709 snaps, so a little less wear and tear on him, um, and more of a prototypical linebacker that you got there. So, House, I'm going to throw this one to you. You get your choice between Melvin Ingram and Dante Hightower. Who do you pick? I think I'm going Hightower because, like we've said throughout this show for the last few weeks, I mean, line, the linebacking core, that seems to be the big uh, Achilles heel for the defense. I'd, I'd like to move Kiko outside. I think you can find someone, in a, whether it's Misi or, you know, Donald Butler or, or one of these guys who could step up on the outside that you need that anchor in the middle. And, I mean, since we had, what was it, Carlos Dansby and Kevin Burnett, the, 
once we blew that up, this uh, the linebacking core seemed to go downhill, and we, we need that, what do they say, quarterback in the middle of the defense. So I'd like to see the yeah. Dolphins take Hightower. I mean, I know he's going to be a pricey pricey guy to get, but, I mean, depending on how they tweak this this roster throughout this offseason, that's something that they can definitely achieve. And I think just the icing on the cake would be taking him away from New England because that's definitely a centerpiece that I'm sure Bill Belichick would like to keep, and I, I'd just love to see him in Miami. Yeah, so how I'm going to continue with you for a second here. So the Dolphins don't get Melvin and Grimm, and let's say they go after a guy like Hightower there to be that pure linebacker position. They are going to target, from what I've been hearing, a defensive end in the first round of the draft. And one guy they are very high on, uh, the Michigan connection, don't underestimate Jim Harbaugh and Stephen Ross, who are very tight with each other. Jim Harbaugh has told the Dolphins how, how great of a player Taco Charlton is. And the Dolphins supposedly have him very high on their board. And a lot can change between now and then, including what happens in free agency. But House, you wrote an article on him on thefinsider.com. And what are your general thoughts on Taco Charlton? You want Hightower over Ingram. So then I'm assuming you would also want someone like Charlton in free agency, right? I mean, in the draft, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I started my early draft work, which I, I just want to reiterate, I am no draft expert, but I do enjoy watching film and I do enjoy writing about the draft. And I think Taco, Taco Charlton would fit with the Dolphins need. I mean, he's 6'6", 272, a real big player. I mean, he seems to be good against the run. And I mean, we saw the Dolphins struggled mightily this year against the run. I think we ranked 30th or 31st in the league. And I mean, right there, he'd come in and just immediately have an impact in that. And then you have Hightower at linebacker. I mean, Taco Charlton, he's a little raw yet. He still needs to work on his pass rushing skills. Seems to be a little slow off the ball. But for me, I mean, you, you mentioned it. Stephen Ross and that uh, Michigan uh, Michigan ties. I'm sure the Dolphins would just love to have Taco Charlton. And I, I think he's raw enough that this team could continue to, to work on his pass rushing skills. And he could be one of those elite pass rushers. I mean, pair a guy like this with Cameron Wake. I mean, let him learn a year or two under Cameron Wake and play opposite of him. And, uh, wow, I, I mean, the sky's the limit for Taco Charlton. And, and one more thing, we did mention Andre Branch coming back as a pass specialist. I mean, uh, Taco Charlton's good against the run. I mean, he would be a, a ac- great acquisition for this team. But, I mean, you bring in a guy like Andre Branch and maybe you don't have to throw Taco in there right away or you don't have to give him quite as many reps as you would if, if you didn't have a guy like Andre Branch. All right, Plus so his name is Taco. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And anyone with it, I mean, like, <laughs> that's just perfect. And I love talking yeah. too. I just need to say, Alpha, I'm sorry if I struck a nerve with you in a live thread. Um, don't be mad at me. And please continue to listen to our show. Uh, but, House, we, uh, we see your contact <laughs> for free agency on the defensive side of the ball. The Dolphins are pretty happy with their cornerbacks. They are considering swapping out Byron Maxwell inside sources. Tell me that the Dolphins are internally a little peeved that Byron Maxwell didn't push harder to play in the final few weeks of the season, including the playoff game against the Steelers. So they may look to move on from him, but overall they're pretty happy with their cornerbacks. They're getting Rashad Jones back. They have their uh, secondary pretty much set. So really it's about the linebackers and a defensive line. Sutton, if you're looking at free agency, are you going linebacker then defensive line in the draft? Are you going defensive line and free agency and linebacker in the draft? I don't know that there's a wrong way to answer this question. I'll, I'll be fair to you and answer that I think we should go with Hightower, um, but I don't think there's a wrong answer here just because from the preliminary stuff I've seen about this draft is that it 
pretty heavy in defensive talent, so that seems to fall into our wheelhouse this year. Um, but I, I think we need multiple players at each position, and that's including if we bring Andre Branch back because we, we still have to think long-term how important that pass rush position is in the NFL. We have to get a long-term replacement for Cam Wake. So free agency isn't the best way to go about that just because you're shelling out so many extra dollars for a premium position as it is. So it's not as fiscally responsible. And I'm sure the giants will see that here in a couple of years with Vernon. But anyway, um, linebacker seems to be a, a better move free agent wise. Yeah. You're, you're going to be spending above average dollars for a linebacker, but linebackers are not paid as well as defensive ends. So, I think you go high tower and then and hope to draft somebody in the first round. Um, but it does look like there should be some pass rush and some linebacker help when we draft the 22. So we just got to hope that we hit on the right guy. Yeah, and I think the Dolphins' plan right now, and of course things can change, but I think their plan right now is to target linebacker and free agency, hit up the defensive line in the draft, figure out their backup defensive end and free agency. They want to bring Andre Branch back, but as a backup. So it's going to be him or somebody else in there. And then they're going to uh, want to get two new starting defensive ends. Cam Wake is basically a rotational player. I know he started, but we all saw him wear down at the end of the season there. So we'll see how that goes for them. On the offensive side of the ball, the Dolphins are happy with the running backs. They're happy with the wide receivers. They're going to take care of Kenny Stills. They, Adam Gaze said on the Joe Rose show earlier this week or uh, late last week, that they're going to do everything they can to keep Kenny Stills in Miami, so I do expect them to get something done if the price doesn't get too high. But it looks like they're going to go there. They're going to make a few adjustments on the offensive line, mainly the right guard position. They're going to be extremely aggressive there. Two targets they are looking at right now. Kevin Zietler uh, played for the Bengals in 2016, 10,087 snaps, and the other T.J. Lang currently on the Green Bay Packers, 29 years old and – Zeeler, let's just see how old he is. He is 27. Both pretty young guys, and the Dolphins want to get that. They're probably going to cost about $10 million a year. We'll see if the Dolphins want to put that kind of money out at the right guard position there. But that's pretty much it on offense. And I do expect the Dolphins to make a few splashes in free agency. I don't expect them to be too busy. I think they're going to jump in and jump out and then get ready for the draft. But, of course, their draft picks are lacking because of last year. So I'm sure – You'll be looking to move down and move around and acquire as many draft picks as possible to make some more moves as we move forward in the draft. All right, we've hit 10 o'clock. We haven't gotten to our live thread yet, so let's get to our live thread and answer a few questions there. We'll answer a few questions on Twitter, then we're going to wrap it up in the next five to seven minutes. All right, Sutton and House, what do we have? Sutton, you go first. Okay, I got one from Mike Hawk, and he <laughs> says, What the hell? <laughs> Sorry, I have like the sense of humor of a 14-year-old boy. Um, Hey, guys, it seems like Reuben Foster will be gone when we pick in the first. If he is, I'd say tight end to help put the offense over the top then grab a middle linebacker in the second and various D the rest of the way. Thoughts? It is tempting to go tight end. Um, Seems like we're – in a position to re-sign Dion Sims, and we'll have we've already got Marquise Gray uh, under tabs there. So yeah, we could look for that number one guy. Man, it's really hard for me to convince myself to take a tight end, which 
I think, in this particular offense right now. And Adam Gates really does like to use tight ends, so I think he'd like to get there. But it seems more like a, a niche position right now than what we really need, and we just need help all over the defense. So I, I, I really think we have to go first round. We have to go defensive help somewhere. All right, Howitz, what do we got? Yeah, just to touch on what Sutton said, I mean, I think the Dolphins might re-sign Deion Sims. I know he kind of picked it up throughout the year, and it looked like uh, Adam Gase started to have faith in him. So I think if the Dolphins re-sign Deion Sims, that might also help uh, utilize those picks towards defense. I'm looking through the live thread. I don't see many questions that we haven't answered. There's the guard question, uh, what the Dolphins were doing the first round with Ingram. But here's one, uh, not really a question, but Finn Fan from Siam, he said – Zach Cunningham will be there at 22, and I, I mean, I posted a, a poll right before we got on the air here, and it seems like Dolphin Nation wants to see a, an article on uh, Zach Cunningham, so I plan on writing one up, but I, I do think that if the Dolphins, I, they won't get Reuben Foster, I don't think there's any chance that, that he falls to 22, but I think uh, Zach Cunningham's the, the next best inside linebacker that Dolphins could acquire if they don't choose to do so in free agency, so uh, I mean, he's a big guy, I think he can come right in and start, and push Kiko outside and like I said maybe Colomisi or one of those other guys on the other side and I think uh Zach Cunningham I mean if, if for some reason Taco Charlton or one of those defensive end aren't there and, and Miami isn't able to acquire one of those elite linebackers at free agency I, I won't mind seeing the Dolphins look at Zach Cunningham all right Sutton what do we got I think Houts and I touched on everything yeah man it's dead all right. It is other, awesome. other than so it, it you, you and is. Alpha, but I, I think you misread Alpha. <laughs> I think he was just being sarcastic, too. So I don't think you have anything to worry about, buddy. Oh, he absolutely was being sarcastic, and I was being sarcastic with my response. So that was a total misreading on, on his end, and, and I guess you could say my end, too. But my response was sarcastic. So, Alpha, we're going to work this one out, buddy, okay? I will buy you a beer whenever I see you in my lifetime, but don't worry about it, okay? All right. <laughs> Yeah, he just uh, – yeah, he. I'm just reading his thread now. He completely misread me. All right. Um, anyway. Where are we? Twitter. Rob Carruth. Let's see. We kind of touched on the question, Rob, about how the Dolphins can fix this porous run defense. It's about the one-gap defense. I think it's going to help a lot. And then filling your uh, linebackers in there nicely with the right positions and so forth. I am going to answer and this MC one. MC Money, I don't, I don't think yeah. we can rule out a, a defensive tackle somewhere in here, too, oh, either free right. agency or draft. I don't think – I just don't think Jordan Phillips and Earl Mitchell have consistently got the job done. We've seen flashes from Phillips, and Earl Mitchell looked good when he first got back from injury and then kind of tailed off. And um, So I don't think he can rule out putting a uh, – getting a better defensive tackle in there for a better rotation next to Sue. The Dolphins do want to upgrade a defensive tackle, by the way. They want to upgrade Earl Mitchell. They want to get a run-stuffing DT, so we'll see how that shakes out there. Uh, Rob asks, what is it with Jay Ajayi's lack of consistency? Is it on him or more the OL? Uh, I think I don't have to pin this on the offensive line because we've seen him. I think he's the league leader in yards after contact, so it's definitely not him in terms of you know, being taken down right away. I think it's just the holes aren't opening. Remember, guys, we had two tackles playing guard. Jermon Bushrod, and I know that you love that, House and Sutton, more, more so. <laughs> more so Sutton, I, I believe. Um, yeah. But, yeah. But, 
But uh, yeah, Bushra is a tackle playing guard for the first time in his life, and Jawan James had a lot, a lot of going on to improve and so forth. So I think with a right guard in there, and then of course you got Mike Pouncey out, and when he was in there, the run game was absolutely on fire. So I think it's more of the OL instead of Jay Ajayi himself. All right, boys. I think that is going to do it this week on Finsider Radio. We talked about the playoffs. We talked about our Super Bowl predictions of who's going to win this weekend. We talked about Matt Burke a bit. We talked about Vance Joseph. We talked about our plans and free agency. Listen, it is the offseason, so we don't go as long as we would in the, in the regular season, but we do have plenty of inside information to share with you each and every week on Finsider Radio, and we didn't get to it all this week. So you can follow Houts and I on Twitter, at Houts, at Finsider Radio for me. Sutton, we're still trying to convince to get on Twitter. I don't know if that day will ever come, but we will see. Uh, but, yeah, and we will be back here next Tuesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with much more information in terms of who the Dolphins may be looking at in the draft and who the Dolphins may be looking at at free agency in terms of improving their team this coming off season. But for but for now, that is going to be it for this week for House for Sutton. I am Matt Kanadik, also known as MC Money, plus the soccer dad here, also known as Sutton, what I just said. <laughs> and House is just House. All right, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy Championship Sunday. Have a great one, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Amazon has everything for back to school. Zebra lunchbox? Check. Cool Adidas gear like t-shirts, shoes, and backpacks? Check. Triceratops folders and pencils? Check. Lasercat t-shirts? Check. Get your back to school shopping done now at amazon.com slash back to school and enjoy free shipping on millions of items. No need to leave your home or hassle with crowds. Amazon.com. No better place to get everything back to school from A to Z. Hello, I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? And why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find this anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? 
Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our solo acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.